Good health is a crown worn by the healthy that only the ill can see. Your health really is your wealth. Join us for the next hour as we explore disease and attaining and maintaining good health. This is Dischem Medical Monday, brought to you by Dischem, pharmacists who care. And a jolly good morning to you. I'm Kathy Kayla and this is Dischem Medical Monday. Thank you so much for joining me. I was uh, driving in and just really appreciating the weather because when we haven't got electricity, we have to count our blessings and the weather in South Africa is certainly one of them. Anyhow, let me tell you what we're talking about. I wanted to find out. I was just curious. I have these shower thoughts. And I was curious about what is the most popular birth month? If I said to you, in what month do you think the most babies are born globally, what would you say? I'd love to know your answers. I will give you the, the correct answer. But uh, tell me what your thoughts are, you know. When do you think most babies are born? And give me the month, please. You can send me a text on 34519 or you can send me a, what, a telegram on 061-895-1019. I'm Kathy Kayla, and the reason that I was thinking about babies in the shower was because my guest today, her name is Yolandi Becker. She is the CEO of Goodnight Baby. And what... Goodnight Baby do is they help children or parents to get their children to sleep without drugs. And joining <laughs> me is the CEO, Yolandi Becker. Is that correct? Without drugs, Yolandi? <laughs> Definitely without drugs. <laughs> I, can um, remember. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have yeah, it's without any medical intervention, to be honest. Okay, without any medical intervention. So let's yes. let's get straight into it. Yolandi, you are the sleep experts when it comes to babies. So that's why we're having you on. But is there a difference in the sleep pattern between newborns and infants? For sure there is. In fact, there is a big difference between the sleep patterns of babies um, or newborns, as you said, infants, toddlers, as well as adults. As we grow, our sleep changes uh, as well as our need for sleep changes. Um, babies and, and newborns require a lot of sleep. And as they grow older, we require less and less and less sleep until we get older again, and then we need a lot of sleep again. <laughs> so it is very interesting how it is. And also, because there's so much development happening in that first year of a baby's life, there is, it's incredible actually. And this obviously has a need for sleep because, yeah, they technically spend, babies spend more time sleeping than what they are awake in the first two years of their lives. Until they don't, which is why we see <laughs> new parents <laughs> with these dark rings under their eyes, very short-tempered, don't have any I concentration. Say, <laughs> I didn't say consolidated sleep. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair yes. enough. So they might sleep for 20 minutes. Okay. Yes. So let's talk about yeah. a baby sleep cycle. Maybe we should start with uh, newborns versus infants. Newborns. So when I talk about newborns, I always say, it's my favorite thing to say, is the only consistent thing about a newborn is inconsistency. Um, there's no patterns to their sleep. A 10-minute nap. 10 minutes at night, three hour naps, all those things are normal. It's not, 
it, it has no pattern. And that's what makes that like initial time so difficult for parents because there is no pattern and it's already the chaos of parenthood that you're entering and it's all new for new parents and now this child who is completely unpredictable newborn sleep is regu uh, regulated by hunger so a lot of what is happening with them is regulated by that so Generally, if a newborn is feeding well, they will be sleeping well. But obviously, the flip side is also true. If they're not feeding well, it most definitely will have an impact on their sleep. And yet they say lack of sleep causes you to feel hungry. So, so much for that. <laughs> All right. So It changes as we age. All right. So with a newborn, are we supposed to adapt our lives to accommodate the newborn or is it a case of looking at getting the newborn to fit in with our lives and our rhythms? You have a child, there is going to have to be some kind of compromise. I'm not saying that you have to, you know, do like give up your whole life for a newborn. In fact, the newborns are quite adaptable in the sense of they can sleep pretty much anywhere. You can baby wear them and they will sleep anywhere. It's only actually once those sleep cycles start, start forming around 14 weeks that that starts changing. So with newborns specifically, it is actually quite easy to get them to sleep on the go or in a carrier and things like that. But in the reality as well, they do require quite a lot of sleep. So, yeah, of course, you've got a kid. So it's going to be a little bit, no, a lot of bit of a compromise in the beginning. And you have to accept it. All right. So 14 weeks, you've mentioned the sleep cycle of a newborn starts changing. What are the 16 changes? 16 weeks. 16 weeks. Okay. So 16 weeks. What, what are the changes? So around 16 weeks, and it, it varies. It can be a little bit earlier and it can be a little bit um, later, but... Around 16 weeks, babies start forming what we refer to as sleep cycles. And this is what adults also have. And this is where we start moving through the stages of, it doesn't mean newborns don't have REM sleep. They do have REM sleep. It just, it's not in a predictable pattern. And this pattern starts forming around 16 weeks. And this is where they then start moving from light sleep, which is REM active sleep, to deep sleep, which is the non-REM restorative sleep that happens into light sleep again, deep sleep, light sleep. And they go through these cycles. It's very interesting when these cycles start forming. This is only when non-REM sleep, the stage four of sleep happens. And that's only when memory or babies start forming the ability to form memory. And that's why bad habits initially is not a big deal because newborns can't spoil a newborn. You must have heard that before. And it really is true because none of the bad habits that you're going to have during that time is going to have an impact. But the flip side is obviously again true. No good habits that you're going to have is going to have an impact. But once these sleep cycles start forming, they're very different still to adult sleep cycles. First of all, the amount of sleep, the total amount of sleep that adults require is only about seven to eight hours per night. Children up until the age of five years require 11 to 12 hours of nighttime sleep. That's paired with the difference in the length of the sleep cycles. 
For us, a, a sleep cycle is about 90 minutes. For babies, it's only about 45 minutes. That means they move through a lot more of these sleep cycles at night. They go between 16, like 13 to 16 sleep cycles a night, whereas we only go between four and five sleep cycles a night. So they have a lot more moments of light, active REM sleep and a lot more moments of deep sleep in comparison to adults. That's so interesting. It's so interesting. <laughs> the more we learn about human development, it's just, yes. it's really incredible, Yolandi. I'm Kathy Kayla. This is the Discam Medical Monday. My guest is Yolandi Becker. She's the CEO of Goodnight Baby. We're talking about babies and sleep. If you're a young mother, if you are the grandparent of a newborn baby, and if there are any questions, you can hear her level of expertise. This is her level of expertise. So you send us your questions. 34519 is the text line. Those texts are charged at 1 Rand 50, those SMSs. Otherwise, you can send a telegram message on 061-895-1019, dealing with any of your childhood sleep issues. And it's not only for babies, is that correct? Because we are going to be talking about, you know, toddlers and sleep routines and things like that which is very, very oh, important, sure. especially if, if you want to look at long-term relationship with your husband. Yes, or your spouse, let's put it that way. Okay, so uh, I did ask you earlier, in what months do you think the most babies are born globally? So uh, Carol, she weighed in. She says, aha, I think September. Thanks, Carol. And Moira says September. Christmas and New Year party babies. Yes, well, that's what I also thought. <laughs> but actually, it's August. Isn't that interesting? It's before people go to the parties and before people go on holiday. How about that? I did. I looked it up. And all the global statistics, <laughs> the global statistics say it's August. So I think that that's quite interesting. I'm not sure why August. You know, I mean, it means that people are conceiving babies in November. Maybe it's the promise of the upcoming holidays and feeling more positive. I, I, I don't do know. I think that people are really so busy in the holiday times and you're with a lot of extended family often over the holiday times. I think making a baby becomes tricky during that time. Yes, and also then so you, you have, have to spend to time together. Yes, <laughs> and spending time together can be a bit of a put-off, don't you think? Okay, moving on. <laughs> so that's why we were talking about sleep. So in fact, it is August, but I also would have thought September. That's for Carol and Moira. Uh, Yolandi, let's get back to talking about children and children's sleep. What is the effect of noise? You know, you've got two different schools of thought. One is shh, 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 the baby's sleeping. And the other is the baby has to learn to sleep when it sleeps and irrespective of the amount of noise. We're not talking about making extra noise and putting <laughs> on music as loud yes. as I like it. But, yeah, let's talk about it, how to train children to, to be adults who can sleep through hurricanes and that's my point what i wanted to make is that who can do that i mean you do get people my husband can sleep on a public beach with no problem but i can't um so i do think it has to do a little bit with personality as well with regards to noise again 
newborns are very, very, very used to noise. In fact, the blood rushing through a, a mom's belly while the baby is inside is as loud as standing in a shower. So actually for newborns, it's a little bit disturbing when it's too quiet so you do want there to be a little bit of level of noise and that's why they often can sleep anywhere because if there's a little bit of background noise also white noise it can really help to get them to sleep better but as soon as babies again around that 16 week mark start forming these sleep cycles they start also hearing better around three months then it changes a little bit and it has to do a little bit with um, temperament but yeah we all can sleep through a level of noise but if you're thinking of a spouse who's snoring next to you you're going to wake up and that's the same thing it it depends on how deep you're sleeping and which level you're sleeping at so if your child if you're going and every time someone comes in please quiet be quiet then it's probably time for you to implement white noise for your child to just filter out the sounds of outside. But as you all can hear, I'm pretty loud and my kids sleep through it. So once they form that ability to sleep, it's they sleep a lot deeper than what we do. So most of them are pretty fine with sleeping with a appropriate level of noise. I'm not talking about a party or something like that, but an appropriate, even if they're tired enough, they will also like sleep through a party. Yeah. Look, I mean, we, we've got to exclude that we, we're not talking about a telephone ringing or a doorbell ringing and the dog barking, um, which wouldn't wake a baby. Right. But yeah, no. we're talking about that white noise, the normal noise that you encounter. It's so interesting what you're saying that, you know, a fetus, you know, the baby in yes. the womb encounters a lot of noise. I mean, I remember mm. when, my, when I was pregnant with my children, even playing music. We used to play them those, uh, those baby songs, the classical music. Yes. And, you know, so they are used to it. And then this baby comes into the world and all of a sudden we don't realize that they've been exposed to noise during their sleep cycles and everything becomes shh, shh, shh. And then we, you know, we raise adults who can't sleep unless it's absolutely dead silent. Yes, but even adults, some adults require a certain amount of white noise. For me, for instance, I like when there's a fan on or where the aircon is on or something that light buzzing in the background. Some people also prefer to sleep with music and things like that. And that's the same with babies. In the end of the day, with children, try it. See how your child is with a relative amount of noise. If you see that your child is waking up all the time from noise in your in your house, do something about it. Either lessen the noise like hadidas in the mornings, a big one, and implement white noise. And white noise is very easy to, you get really great machines these days for white noise, but it can even be an old radio. All of you at home clearly have a radio because you're listening to us. Put it on static and just let it play in the background, not too noisy because you can affect your child's hearing with white noise if it's on permanently. So it shouldn't be too loud, but just to filter out a little bit of the noise that comes from the outside. Yeah, maybe switch it off when they're awake because, yes, you know, definitely. because that'll also <laughs> mitigate, that'll lessen the impact of that sound has on our bodies because it yes, can be for worked sure. for the benefit and also uh, it can be detrimental. So it's, it's so interesting how we can how we can use sound as well. Yolandi, yes. you mentioned earlier that the number one reason that babies wake up 
is because they're hungry. What are the other reasons that babies wake up? So the number one reason newborn babies wake up is (laughs) hunger. Just to clarify, because it is... It's a big fear for parents is the fact that their children are hungry. Because let's face it, you can't ask a nine-month-old, hey, are you hungry? Do you need to eat? No, they're crying and you're assuming they're hungry. And lots of parents have this fear that, oh, my word, that's why my child's waking up five times a night because they're hungry. Feeding at night is normal up until around nine months of age. Then it becomes your baby should be able for a healthy growing nine month old. They should be able to go throughout the night from seven o'clock to six o'clock without a feed. The other side, though, is that an early morning feed is still quite normal before this time. So um, there's other reasons. Um, We refer to them as the building blocks of sleep. Um, And there's lots of things that can have an impact. Obviously, the basics and the easy ones are if your baby is ill and not feeling well, if they have stomach cramps, stuff like that, they're all going to be waking up. Environmentally, there's things that can wake them up. If it's too light in your room, if it's noisy, like we already refer to, Hadi does, especially in this time of year, it already starts that early morning, the light coming in and That is the biggest impact on our circadian rhythm, that internal clock that regulates our sleep, is light. As soon as our eyes are exposed to light, our body stops producing melatonin and it starts producing cortisol to wake us up. And um, that's the same with your baby. So you want to make it as dark as possible in the room. We already refer to nutrition as uh, having an impact, but it's not just um, nutrition in the sense of milk. Obviously, the introduction of solids and those type of things can also have an impact. Not the right amount of food. If your child is not on a varied diet, certain uh, children have allergies and things like that that can impact their sleep. Um, And then also, if you don't have an appropriate uh, age-appropriate routine and schedule. So if your child is not getting the right amount of sleep during the day, they're not, they're going to be waking up at night because they're going to be overtired and overstimulated. And those are some of the things. A big reason we help um, parents is to create those positive sleep associations for sleep. My guest is Yolandi Becker. She's the CEO of Good Night Baby. And we are t- going to be taking your questions. If you have any questions about getting your baby to sleep, to sleep through. If you're having any issues with the sleep, let me know. 34519, that is the SMS line. You can sign it. You don't have to sign it if you don't want. If you don't sign it, I won't read your name. And uh, you can also send a telegram or a voice note on uh, telegram. And that number is 061-895-1019. I'm Kathy Kayla and this is Discam Medical Monday. We're talking about babies and sleep. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. I'm Kathy Kayla. My guest today is Yolandi Becker. She's the CEO of Goodnight Baby and that's what we're talking about. Goodnight Babies. Babies who are good at night, who are going to sleep through, who are going to give mom and dad a break, especially after 16 weeks, because after 16 weeks, according to Yolandi, and I can tell you now that that's going to be based on scientific research, the sleep cha- their sleep patterns and the rhythms the circadian rhythms of that inf- of that newborn changes and it changes and that is when we start seeing good and bad habits forming 
Yolandi, yes. school us, yes, educate sure. us, tell us how <laughs> to instill good sleep habits in babies. Yes. So, like you said, around 16 weeks, those, we like to call it positive sleep association. So, things that you used previously to get your child to sleep actually start having the opposite effect. Um, so, if you were rocking your baby or feeding them to sleep, often those things that really helped at the newborn stage can now start having an impact in a negative way. And rather than helping your child to sleep, can have them waking up now regularly as they move through those sleep cycles to actually want that same thing. So if they, I always use the example of if your baby falls asleep in your arms in checkers, or even if you fell asleep in checkers and someone moved you to your bed, you're going to be waking up. I, for instance, if my husband travels for work, I often sleep a lot worse than when he's not with me because my brain realizes it's different than what it used to be. And that's the same for babies. If they fall asleep in a certain way in the beginning of the night, as they move through those sleep cycles, get to that light sleep, they're going to completely wake up and be like, huh? where did mommy go? Where's that breast? Where's what's happening? And call them to come because the only way they know how to link those sleep cycles is if mommy comes again and helps them to fall asleep again. But this is only the, the top of what we refer to as the building blocks of the house. Okay. You can't expect your child to fall asleep and to self-soothe if they don't have the other building blocks in place. So my top recommendations, even before you attempt this, is to ensure that you have a great routine and schedule during the day and a great bedtime routine. These are easy things to implement also in combination with a fantastic environment, of course, as well. So um, an environment is the easiest thing to implement. Put the light off, for instance. Your child is used to being in the dark, and they spend quite a significant time during the night in active REM sleep, where they often open up their eyes. And if their eyes are opening up and catching the mobile or something like that. They're going to be like, oh, it's party time, instead of being like, oh, let's call some friends. <laughs> <laughs> instead of just turning around and falling asleep again. If it's completely pitch black, if they open up their eyes, they're going to be like, oh, my eyes are still closed, and then continue to sleep and not wake up completely. Simple things to do. Also making sure, obviously, that the sleeping environment is 100% safe. So making sure that when your baby starts sitting up, which is from around five months, that your cot is on the lower level. There shouldn't be anything in the cot. Not a pillow, not a blanket. The only safe way for your baby to be warmed up is with a TOG-rated sleeping bag. Nothing else needs to be in the cot. Not even cot bumpers. Nothing. Then as well... Um, for sleep to improve it, like I said, having a good routine and age-appropriate awake time is helpful. So, for instance, for a three-month-old, your baby is going to be awake at about, uh, about an hour and a half between sleeps. By uh, four months, it's going to be two hours, one hour 45. At five months, two hours. Six months, two and a half hours. And as they grow older, a little bit longer. As they get to 10 months, it's going to be three and a half hours. So awake time is the time between when your baby woke up from their last sleep to when you put them down for the next sleep. 
This is quite important to note. It's not when your child's going to fall asleep. <laughs> it's when you're going to put them down for sleep. Because often parents think, oh, my baby's going to take about 10 minutes to fall asleep, so I should put them down a little bit earlier. No, it's when you're going to put them down is when that awake time ends. And this is important because you want your child to have the ideal amount of sleep during the day so that they're not overtired. Sleep begets sleep. It's really not going to be helpful if your child is awake the whole day. They're going to be overtired, overstimulated, and the opposite is going to happen. And then my biggest and favorite thing, and this is also very important for adults, is to have a bedtime routine in place. A bedtime routine that's not too long. The bedtime routine for a baby should be about 30 minutes long. And that's not too late. The ideal bedtime in South Africa is between six and seven. That that 30 minutes should hover. Sometimes you're going to move it a little bit earlier. Start with the bedtime routine at six o'clock and put your baby down at half past six, depending on when their last nap was of the day. And that's my top tips. <laughs> Those are pretty good tips. I've got a question. So your baby's bathed and fed and they've got a dry nappy on and it's now bedtime. You put them in the cot they start crying. What do you do? <laughs> so first of all, I would firstly recommend that you phone goodnight. Um, the reason for that is not just because, yeah, I'm here to convince you guys that we're the be-all and end-all of the situation. But the reality is, is that it is the most responsible thing to do. As I mentioned, there is quite a few things that actually impact sleep. And for me to just tell you do this at bedtime without having any of the other building blocks in place can cause more crying than it can do good. So it is important for me to be responsible in sharing that information because I don't want you to be weeks on end having a baby that's crying. That is not normal. They might be crying when you're changing your baby's routine and schedule a little bit, but this should be minimal and should be supervised in the end of the day. But if your baby is crying as a beginning point, you're only going to attempt any sleep training and any sleep training methods once all the other building blocks is in place. Um, so never attempt it in isolation. But in your scenario, if a baby's crying, pick them up. <laughs> soothe them a little bit not make them asleep soothe them a little bit tap them a little bit if need be some babies the problem is especially when they're older if you pick them up it's fine but as soon as you put them down the crying goes up to a next level and then you kind of start from scratch again then it might be not so helpful to do that and rather just put your hand on your baby and be there and say shh, shh, shh. sleepy time sleepy time and give them a little bit of time to soothe themselves in the end of the day, babies are able to do it with assistance. Obviously, you're not doing this is age appropriate assistance. You're not just leaving them and saying good luck. You're there with them to guide them through this um, little bit of difficult time. But you are going to help them in certain ways. And they should be able to do it just like us. And think of yourself. If, you're, if you are waking up in, at night and your husband starts patting you or shushing you, what are you going to do? not sleep <laughs> yeah <laughs> sometimes it's it gets back to that opposite. whole why babies are born in september yes okay moving <laughs> on <laughs> i'm kathy kayla this is the Diskin medical monday my guest is yolandi becker she is the ceo of good night baby if you've got any questions about your baby's sleep patterns 
you let us know. She is the expert and very happy to answer your questions. And this is how you get in touch. You can send an SMS, a text on SMS 34519. That is the SMS line. Got it? 34519. Alternatively, you can send us a telegram message and that number is 061-895-1019. Just like High FM is 101.9. So, uh, Send through your messages. Hadassah sent through a message. She says, what about my baby falling asleep on the breast? Well, no, think, so uh, that, that is, that a, is, is that a, a good very thing? good question. Yes. Initially it is. Newborns really, actually breast milk actually initially contains hormones to help babies to sleep. So for newborns, that first 12 weeks of age, it's really helpful for babies to fall asleep like that. But once again, once they reach that 16-week mark, they could fall asleep on the breast, go through those sleep cycles, and when they get to that light sleep, then they're like, oh, 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 where's the breast? Where has it gone? Call you to come. Because the only way that they know how to fall asleep again is if mom comes and gives the booby. So in the end of the day, we do want your child to fall asleep without the breast, ideally. It doesn't mean you're taking it away, not at all. I encourage breastfeeding as long as possible. It's fantastic bonding and magic in the end of the day, but in you want to just strategically move it. So the last milk feed of the day, you want to have before the bath time routine. This also gives your baby a little bit of time to just digest a little bit of that initial milk, especially small babies often have reflux and things like that. So then they can have a feed, then you bath them, you dress them, maybe first put a diaper on, then you dress them, and then you put them in the cot awake and give them time to fall asleep on their own. So you're not taking away the breast, you're just moving it away from that initial part. This may sound like a silly question, but is there a relationship in terms of digestion from the time that your baby feeds to the time that they go to the loo, the time that they, they urinate or defecate? I mean, if you know that there's, I don't know, maybe 40 minutes or an hour between their feed and them. That's you know, very different the as the, you know, like, for instance, my my son, when he was born, he initially, it's like he fed and he pooped right afterwards. Like it was very quick. And often newborn babies are like that. But as babies get older, their di- digestive system changes. It's not, you know, like often like grandmas would say, oh, you've got such a big baby. They're probably so hungry at night. And that's why they're waking up. And the opposite is actually true because the bigger your baby is, the bigger their belly size is. So the more capacity they can take, meaning the longer they can stretch to the next feed. So it's just that they have the ability to, stretch longer because they have more milk in your belly so small babies need to feed regularly because their bellies are tiny but yeah once those sleep cycles start forming melatonin cortisol all those hormone production starts happening and that also has an impact on your baby's digestive system all those things have like a domino effect once you um start producing these hormones it has a domino effect on your uh, metabolism as well meaning that your body starts changing wanting you to have restorative sleep for a certain amount of time small babies even at 16 weeks it's they're not going to sleep through 
I mentioned it earlier already, that between four and nine months, most babies still will wake up to feed. Um, there will be initial stretch till about one o'clock, two o'clock, and then maybe another feed. So one or two feeds up until nine months, absolutely normal for your baby to wake up to feed still. It's only after nine months where they are able to go longer. But then they're not just on a milk diet anymore either. They're already taking in solids as well, which is also helping them to stretch longer because solid food takes even longer to digest than a liquid diet of milk. Yeah, that sleep is often an indicator of when mm. your baby's ready to... I mean, one of them, there are a number of indicators. Maybe you can even yes. talk to that, you know, as to when to start introducing solids. Yeah. So solid food needs to be introduced. According to World Health Organization, they advise introducing solid food at six months. The reason for that being that a baby has a reserve of iron that they receive from the mom at birth in their bloodstream. And this iron reserve starts becoming depleted at around six months of age. And then you need to start supplementing it with solids. And that's why we need to introduce solids at around 16, um, uh, six months. Oh, 16 weeks is now stuck in my head, apparently. <laughs> six months. Um, you want to introduce the solids. Dietitians and pediatricians in South Africa, especially if your baby is growing and healthy, might say, a little bit earlier, um, but I would recommend obviously speaking to a dietitian or a pediatrician before you do that because you don't want to do it too early. But the reason for it is the protein or the iron. And iron, the best source of iron is protein. So you're not going to give your baby a piece of steak though. <laughs> but proteins like uh, meats and fish and even dairy has a certain amount of protein in it. Yolandi, is it true that babies learn in their sleep? Oh, so much. I told you earlier, they're spending more time uh, asleep than what they are awake in the first two years. And they learn all the most awesome skills in those first two years. If it wasn't for those first two years, none of us would be talking, walking, or have any emotional capacity. Because that you learn in those first two years. There's so much happening. You come out of the womb being this tiny blob in some ways. You can't even smile or anything. And within three months, you're smiling already. You're holding your head up by four months. You're sitting up already by five months. So there's a lot of development where the hell are you learning this? Of course in your sleep. And that's also one of the reasons which why babies are superbly active. Parents often tell me, oh, my baby seems so restless in their sleep. Yes, they need to learn that freaking skill that they had to do uh, or that they have to do next. So they're learning and growing so much and they are active in their sleep, very, very active in their sleep. They actually don't have, we as adults have a neuro inhibitor that paralyzes us when we sleep so that we don't do what we dream luckily for our husbands <laughs> but babies don't have that neuro inhibitor so they do exactly what they dream about oh i need to start walking let me do this and then they're like 
actively moving around their arms. They even some babies you can go look at it on YouTube. It's quite funny and do head banging where they move like rock back and forth and they kind of head bang their heads back and forth. These are all quite normal because they're growing and learning significantly at night. My guest today is uh, Yolandi Becker. She is the CEO of Goodnight Baby. If you've got any questions, we're going to be wrapping up in about seven minutes from now. So if you've got any questions for her, you can hear that she is the expert on baby sleep. Send your questions through 34519. That is a text line. Or you can send me a telegram on 061-895-1019. Yolandi, I want to take an take a different approach right so you've got a little a little uh, i don't know newborn and they're so sweet they really are so sweet and you want to, there's a reason they're so cute though <laughs> yes it's called survival of the species apparently <laughs> no, but so you're, you're you don't want your newborn to be far away from you you don't want them to be in their own space so you're going to put them in the bed with you Right. I'm just I'm just saying. Yes. Right. Okay. I'm not saying I'm this listening. is your advice. Yeah. <laughs> you listen nicely. Um, okay, so you put your newborn in the bed with you and then the whole family, yourself, your husband and the baby can all sleep nicely and that's a very nice part of bonding because you bonding with your yes. baby, your husband's bonding with the baby, and the baby's bonding with the two of you and it's a family unit. Now the yes. baby gets to 16 weeks and their sleep starts changing, but it's what they're used to. And you don't, you don't really want them to go and sleep in their own bed. And before you know it, we're 18 months down the line. Now, what's wrong with that, Yolandi? <laughs> nothing is wrong with that. Okay. There is absolutely nothing okay. wrong with that. Where your child sleeps doesn't it's not going to have a giant impact on their overall sleep. They can still sleep really good also with you in their bed. It's just their environment that they're sleeping in. The only thing that for, especially with newborns and small babies is that when you're choosing a sleep environment, it is important to choose it safely. Adult beds are not made for babies and the bedding is not. So when you're choosing to co-sleep, which is fantastic, each parent to his own, it doesn't mean that there's a right way. You need to choose what works for your family. And if that's the way you want to do it, go for it. There's nothing wrong. I, I think that's the reason why I don't have a third child because my husband knows if I have a third one, I will be co-sleeping with that baby for the rest of my life. <laughs> but... <laughs> so it absolutely is not. So like I said, when you do choose to do it safe, uh, just make sure that you're doing it safely in the end of the day because adult beds are not made for newborn babies. Us as moms, that's also very fascinating. Actually, if you're not completely super deprived or anything like that, you are going to be have the ability not to squash your baby. Obviously, if you're in any medication or anything like that, it will inhibit your natural kind of instincts and you could suffocate your child. Husbands, unfortunately, don't have this natural instinct that moms have. So they are not used to. So if your husband is a very deep sleeper, it could be dangerous for your baby. The chances are very minuscule that something like that is going to happen, but rather create that safe space that those accidents don't happen. So it is the best to have a co-sleeper rather next to your bed that is safe.
once again, once your baby is able to sit up, even the co-sleeper is not safe anymore because the sides are very low and babies are top heavy. As soon as they can look over the side, they can fall out. If you want to continue to co-sleep beyond that time, rather sleep all of you on a mattress on the floor so that they can't fall out of the bed and that it's lower for them all. So there's always ways to continue to do it just as long as you're thinking of those things. Yeah, maybe draw the line, you know, when it gets to teenagehood. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're going to draw the line eventually. <laughs> I'm Kathy Kayla. My guest is Yolandi Becker. She is the CEO of Goodnight Baby. We've got to take some ads, but I do want to hear from Yolandi her top list of do's and don'ts. I think the don'ts are very, very important. So stay tuned. That's right after this. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. I'm Kathy Kayla. This is the Discam Medical Monday. My guest, we're talking, firstly, we're talking babies and sleep, how to get parents better sleep, and that's or better sleep, better quality sleep, more of it, new parents. And... Uh, my guest is Yolandi Becker. She's the CEO of Goodnight Baby. Yolandi, I did ask you about your do's and your don'ts. What are your do's? Definitely do's. In fact, you know what? Let's start with the don'ts. <laughs> There's not a lot of don'ts, I have to say, that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, in the end of the day, lots of the things that... Lots of parents often ask me that. It's like how, what, especially parents that I've helped before. And we worked very hard at when their child was about nine months old. And they're like, I just don't want to create the same habits again. What can I do? And what should I avoid? And in the end of the day, lots of the things that we do for newborn babies are necessary. We have to help. Babies don't have the ability to self-soothe as newborns. They don't have the ability. So we have to help them to sleep. We have to rock them to sleep. We have to feed them to sleep because that's the only way for them to soothe. They don't have the ability to do it on their own again uh, yet. It's only from around 16 weeks that they form that ability. So there is not much that you shouldn't do at that point. You should help your baby. It is more about do have an appropriate bedtime and a bedtime routine that's not too late. For me, that's such a, it's so silly and it's so, maybe for me now because I've been doing it for such a long time, but it's very easy to implement a bedtime routine for any child. And it's so important because it helps the baby to signal them that sleep is coming. They're going to know this happens, this happens, this happens, and then I need to sleep. A bath as part of that bedtime routine or a shower or just wiping them with a warm cloth can be very, very helpful because that's a trigger of melatonin. So what I mean by that is, is that we, uh, melatonin doesn't just happen like that. It helps to simulate day and night. So the heat from the water is like daytime and getting out of the water is like nighttime, the coolness. And that temperature change actually triggers the melatonin production. And within 30 minutes after that, the levels of melatonin are at their peak and then they start going down for the night to actually help your baby to fall asleep. That's why we say we don't want that bedtime routine to be too long because then you're missing that window of the peak of melatonin to help your baby to fall asleep. Another big thing, like I mentioned earlier, is also for sure, do have an age-appropriate awake time. 
and follow during the day what we refer to as a sleep feed play schedule. So feed your baby when they wake up and not before they go to sleep. Once again, this is only after 16 weeks, but you're going to feed your baby when they wake up. Then they have the most energy so they can take a proper feed firstly, and they have some time to digest a feed. Babies poop, burp, all those things all the time. So you want to have time for them to digest that after the feed and not when you're going to lay them down. So that's some of my very important do's. <laughs> okay, that's a very, very good do's. Yolandi, thank you so much. Just before I let you go, tell us a little bit about Goodnight Baby. What is Goodnight so, Baby? <laughs> so at Goodnight, we teach children, we teach parents how to, and support parents to get their children to sleep better. So we have a very bespoke offering that we custom make plans for parents. So we don't have a one-size-fits-all approach at all. We custom make plans for parents. First of all, parents have to fill in a 15-page questionnaire for us to have a proper overview of what's going on. With that information, we create a plan for them. We have a consultation with them, which is about 90 minutes. We, we go through the plan of action for, with them. And then for two weeks afterwards, we help and support them to implement that process, not for them, with them. All the support happens remotely, but when uncertain things start happening, we're like, no, let's try this, let's do this, let's keep going. Positive changes are already happening. Amazing. Yolandi, thank you so much. And uh, should we let the cat out of the bag? I would love to. <laughs> okay, all right. So Yolandi is going to be hosting a baby show. We are bringing a baby show to High FM. It is called Bump and Beyond, and we're starting on the 19th of October, correct? Yes, I am very excited because we've been talking about good night now and uh, we've been going for 10 years and along the way we've helped over 10,000 families sleep better which is the one side of it but I'm also a mom so I've got my own expert opinion on things <laughs> related to parenting and then of course um, I've made some friends along the way so I'm very excited to be talking to all sorts of experts not exclusively about sleep but about parenting and actually getting to know a lot more about this parenting journey and making it a little bit easier for parents out there to have the information at hand and then to make their own choice of what they want to do exactly educating educated yes. decisions <laughs> Yolandi Becker it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for your time and thank uh, you it's not the last we'll be hearing from you thank you so much yes i'm very excited thanks <laughs> kathy have a wonderful day you too god bless and uh thank you for joining me for this hour for this discam medical monday huge thank you to discam for sponsoring the discam medical monday show i wish you a wonderful wonderful week be the light i think howard feldman actually said it best be the light that escom can't provide <laughs> <laughs> we are not on air next Monday because it is the Jewish New Year. It is Rosh Hashanah. And uh, I wish you a Chatimah Chatimah. <laughs> Shana Tova. There we go. <laughs> Have a good one. God bless. Bye-bye.